live from Beyond the Beltway, this is Jeannie Ives sitting in tonight for Bruce Dumont with our weekly analysis of national politics, featuring occasional injections of rumor and innuendo, all offered up by our panel of political insiders, pundits, power brokers, public servants, professors, and most importantly, plain-speaking Americans from coast to coast. Tonight, featuring commentary by Nigel Robb. Russian history expert from Loyola Marymount University in Los Angeles. Roman Golosh, retired U.S. Army colonel. He's in the studio with me. And then at the 7 o'clock hour, we'll have Gary Abernathy. He's a Washington Post columnist. And Dave Maserato. He is a progressive author. Love to talk with David about a few things coming up. Our program tonight is coming to you from our home base at AM 560, The Answer, WIND Radio uh, news station in Elk Grove Village, Illinois. Our phone lines are open now at 1-800-723-8289. And to begin this evening's discussion, we're going to turn to Russia and the Ukrainian situation. And that's why I asked specifically for my friend Roman Golosh to come into studio with me. Roman is a U.S. Army uh, retired colonel. However, he is also Ukrainian by descent, and nearly daily, Roman speaks to his family members that are still back in Ukraine. Roman, we had a conversation earlier today, and um, I just kind of wanted an update about what was going on in Ukraine, and then I said, you need to come on and tell other people what you have been hearing from your relatives in Ukraine. So could you kind of go ahead and tell our listening audience, what is the latest in Ukraine? We're just hearing bits and pieces of it. We don't have any boots on the ground there, necessarily. We heard about the Kerch Bridge fall. We know that the Nord Stream 2 pipeline was blown up by somebody, some saboteurs. We're not sure. Could have, could have been Putin. We'll talk to Nigel about that prospect. Um, but what is really happening as Putin attempts to bring 300,000 new recruits onto the battlefield as uh, Zelensky has been pretty good in the Ukrainian forces at pushing them out? Well, thank you, Jeannie. It's great to be here. And to talk to you about the uh, war in Ukraine when Russia invaded February 22nd. Uh, as a little background, in 1990s, I had uh, eight years of missions to Ukraine after Ukraine declared independence. And I was there with the United States Army. And we gave them training. We talked to them. In 1994, if you recall, uh, they gave up their nukes. So they became a non-nuclear power. Mm-hmm. Uh, President Clinton promised to uh, keep Ukraine safe, uh, but in, then in 2014, Putin attacked Ukraine to Crimea and to eastern provinces uh, with Obama and Biden just sending blankets. So they abrogated the Budapest Memorandum. Uh, after 2014, Ukraine got serious about uh, national defense. Uh, they brought in uh, special forces, retired personnel, Uh, They brought in other groups to redo the Ukrainian military, and that's why the Ukrainian military did uh, so well. But you asked me about family. I have extended family in western Ukraine, and when the war started, we recommunicated with each other because some of their uh, husbands and um, uh, brothers are sent to the front, and uh, they are uh, actively uh, in various parts of Ukraine. The front there is at least 800 miles long, and the uh, situation in western Ukraine is uh, pretty much considered pretty normal. 
except when uh, Putin sends cruise missiles or hypersonic missiles into that area to terrorize the populace. So when I call my family, uh, we talk about the kids who are still home. We talk about uh, their men who are on the front. Uh, we talk about the morale of the Ukrainian troops, which is very high. And uh, we just hope that this whole situation will uh, come to rest. Today I talked to the family members, and they were telling me about the uh, Kerch Bridge, which uh, is the lifeline that Putin has to bring in supplies and troops into Crimea. Uh, this was opened up in 2018. Uh, Putin paid $4 billion for it. And for him, it was pretty much like the ultimate deal that he now owns Crimea. Mm -hmm. And when, when that uh, bridge collapsed, one part of it, and the train uh, blew up, uh, that was a, a big morale boost uh, for the Ukrainians. Uh, didn't go very well for Putin. At the same time, when Putin was declaring the annexations of four different areas of Ukraine, at the same time, Ukraine forces took over those areas, uh, some of those areas. So it didn't look good for Putin uh, at all. So the information I get from Ukraine right now is a little bit more detailed than what we get here. Um, so there's a lot of that. And then I also have some friends who served uh, with the Ukrainian forces uh, from 2014 to 2018, training them, reorganizing them, and making them the fighting force that they are today. So overall, morale's high. Morale is high. Okay. Uh, Russians' morale is very low. And are our U.S. weaponry and Western weaponry getting to them and being used effectively on the battlefield? Yes, it is getting there. Uh, it could be more. Uh, a little bit of slow walking. Yeah, everybody wants more. As far as aid, but the weapons they're using, the Heimers, yeah. the yep. M777s, they're using very effectively against the uh, Russians. Okay, and so, Nigel, we turn to you. I mean, I, everybody knows that Putin has, that there's been a turning point in the war. It used to be almost assumed that at some point there's going to be a deal brokered and possibly some land swapped over to Russian control just to make the uh, situation, j just to have a peaceful solution. It has changed. It has flipped. It appears to the casual observers, we're just plain-speaking Americans like Bruce talks about, that Putin's back is up against the wall. What, what does he do? I mean, uh, Biden actually said the A word the other day, Armageddon. What does this mean for Putin? I, I don't think the use, I don't think Biden's use of the A word is, at the moment of an issue at all for Putin, because his problems are just so huge. And they're so, they're basically local, as in, you know, Ukraine and, and Russia, that, you know, he, like Putin now has to really make sure that the military is on board with him because there have been so many complaints from Russian bloggers who are fully supportive of the Russian Federation that they're just they're just not doing the job. The army, basically, the defense minister Shoigu is lousy, and so there are huge complaints about the military and also the military. I mean, how long is the military going to actually go along with Putin's commands? And and at some point, the military, like I say, we've we've had enough. We we're not going to send our our soldiers out there, like, to fight this lousy war like in this way. I mean, they're I think they're committed to taking over Ukraine, but they're not committed to having lousy command. And it's something's so. There's friction between the military and the Kremlin, and that's growing friction, and that's a big problem for Putin. Um, the nuclear idea, nuclear Armageddon, I mean, that's a new 
sort of that's a new development because now in the news in 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 Russia it's all about the nuclear and you know for example is the bridge technically fall under a nuclear response protocol you know that's how they talk but I do think for readers they are thinking of like they're not thinking of bombing New York City they're thinking at the moment of very tactical nuclear weapons at isolated okay. places in Ukraine all right. to Great. strike first and foremost military targets we're coming up on a break. We're going to come right back to that question about the use of tactical nuclear weapons and what does that mean for everybody involved. At Jersey Mike's, you can elevate any sub by getting the juice. Red wine vinegar and an olive oil blend. It's how a Jersey Mike sub gets its exquisite zing and how bites get boosted. The juice adds a certain something extra, an exclamation on top of the freshly sliced meats and toppings, the kind of exclamation you can eat. Order Jersey Mike subs on our mobile app and get delivery right to your home or pick up from your nearest Jersey Mike sub location. Jersey Mike's, be a sub above. Going back to school as a working adult doesn't mean you have to sacrifice a high-quality education. Purdue University, a top 10 public university, took its innovative thinking to a new level when it created Purdue University Global for working adults. Discover innovative, practical ways to earn your degree online and advance your career. Purdue Global has already awarded more than 1 million credits for prior learning, which means you can save nearly half the cost of your bachelor's. See how close you are to finishing your degree at purdueglobal.edu. That's purdueglobal.edu. It's a bully, but we aren't afraid of a fight. It's elusive, but our focus never fades. It's deadly, but we were born to defeat cancer. You may not have heard of us, but our work has helped millions impacted by cancer. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. We are leaders in advancing breakthroughs in immunotherapy, genomics, and personalized medicine. This research saves lives. After 65 years of fighting blood cancers, we've arrived at a game-changing belief. The cures for cancer are in our blood. The drugs and treatments we've developed for blood cancers have helped people affected by many different types of cancers. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Beating cancer is in our blood. Learn more at LLS.org. If you talk and they will hear you. We all want our kids to grow up safe and healthy. So we show them how. And we tell them with honest conversations that let them know what we expect. Not just one time, but every chance we get. That's especially important when it comes to alcohol and other drugs. Kids not only need to know the dangers and how to avoid them, they need to hear it often from you. And when it comes to pain medications, opioids, they need to know that they should never be taken without a prescription and never shared with friends or family. It's dangerous and illegal. So talk with your kids and guide them through the challenges of growing up safe and healthy. Because when you talk, they hear you. For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. So talk, you. you can do it if you try.
Welcome back to Beyond the Beltway. This is Jeannie Ives sitting in for Bruce Dumont. With me is Roman Golash, retired U.S. Army colonel, also of Ukrainian descent. We are talking about Russia and the Ukrainian war. And also joining us from Los Angeles is Nigel Robb. He's a professor of Russian history at Loyola Marymount University. And Nigel, we dropped off with you right before the break, uh, basically discussing the prospect of nuclear war and you're saying, you know, that's a step too far. More than likely, that is not going to be the case. Although the, uh, the use of tactical nuclear weapons has been suggested. Now, Roman and I both trained uh, for that potential use when we served in the Army. I served as well. In fact, I was in Germany when the infamous Pershing II missiles were deployed and then taken out uh, not that long after they were deployed as a deterrence to uh, any potential Soviet aggression. Uh, that certainly did its share to end the Cold War right then and there. They knew that we had um, the forces that we could meet any Russian aggression from that standpoint. So mutually assured destruction. The use of a tactical nuclear weapon by Putin, is, is that, is that uh, you know, do you think that he would go that far, knowing what you know? No. I mean, I know I don't I don't think it would go that far, but one of the things I think is important is is the way because I, I think they have serious problems in Moscow and, and problems like regime will collapse problems. I just don't see a way out. I don't see a way out in any case for Putin and the people surrounding him. So they've ramped up this talk to use to use tactical, you know, to, to talk about these tactical nuclear weapons. But you, you, I mean, you have to think of an environment where like now in the news, it, it's so many like members of the state Duma, Kadyrov, and Chechnya. They all use this very casually and very flippantly, and and it's just it's sort of become like a, a very irresponsible way of talking about the war and a way of talking about international relations, which gives you the impression that they're slowly losing control of their own. People like to say of their own narrative, but basically of what they're trying to do. They they're just they're not sure anymore what they're trying to achieve here because I mean they could launch a uh, tactical nuclear weapon to Ukraine, it would gain them nothing. I mean, it, it would gain them nothing. There's Meanwhile, no, they're, they're, no benefit there. you know, they're rounding up 300,000 new troops, new recruits that essentially might be in nothing more than cannon fodder as Ukrainians seem to get even better at targeting particular assets uh, that are being used against them. And, uh, you know, and you, they've got problems with this. But we go back to this from a historical standpoint. And Nigel, I want to stay with you for a little bit on this. From a historical standpoint, though, where have you seen the military literally take out one of their own presidents? I mean, is Putin going to take the stairs or is he going to take the window when it comes to this? Is he going to be pushed out or is he going to back down? That's that's a good question. So historically, there are a lot of assassinations in Russian history. That is that is not unusual. Well, I mean, ours, somebody yes. Lenin had an assassination attempt. He survived it, but sort of it did weaken him. So a military takeover. I mean, you know, there's the pooch in 1991 where the military tried to put down Yeltsin, but that was a very that was a very difficult environment. So yes, how would it end? That's a very very difficult question. Um, it could be maybe not so much a pooch, so much as the military supporting somebody else, backing somebody else, or refusing to take certain actions and pressuring, you know, pressuring him. The defense minister Shoigu, I, I don't see lasting long in that position. I don't. There's enormous pressure on him. And so that'll change. Now, if I could just say one more thing, what's mm -hmm. happened here is they've made so many changes in command. They just don't seem to know how they're actually fighting this war. 
Well, they lost quite a few generals in the combat to begin with. That doesn't help when you lose some of your frontline commanders. You know. No, and it has been gone. It went badly even before Ukraine had access to some of the American and Western equipment. It was it went badly from like day one almost. And so there's just a sense of disorganization and and how they're gonna I mean how they're gonna re you know go back and, and sit in the sit in their rooms and think about what's the plan. They need to do this. It's well, I, I want to revisit then, that. That's a really it, good for point. For Russian, it's not gonna get better in any case. Yeah, so that's a very good point because even even US military authorities uh were saying, Oh, this will all be over in eight days. Who remembers that? Sure. I, Roman, you remember this, sure. right? And during the break, you and I were having this discussion, though. That, and you're saying that because uh, the Holodomor that happened, the, basically the genocide of the early 1930s, the famine, the starvation of the Ukrainian people, you said they will fight to their last breath. They are never going to concede to Russia. There will not be peace talks. They will be pushed out. Well, that was very clear just talking to our family. Uh, they didn't leave Ukraine. They said we're here uh, to fight to the end. And that's for a couple of reasons. Number one, uh, Russia has uh, always felt that they can't not have a Soviet Union without Ukraine. Even prior to the Tsars, uh, they were always trying to destroy Ukraine and its language because they wanted to take that land permanently. But I think the... Second World War, in which the Ukrainian Surgeon Army uh, fought both the Germans and the Russians, and the Russians finally uh, eliminated most of the partisans in the late 50s, uh, that became a problem. But the thing that we found out after Ukraine's independence in 1991 is that there were still Ukrainian insurgents uh, living illegally uh, up to 1991 when they came out of cover. So the plan to uh, fight Russia to the end has a huge historical basis to it. Okay. Well, I mean, uh, so, I, and how I, is that going to happen? Nigel, what are you going to say? I was just going to add one, one thing there about Ukraine, just for, just for the listeners, is that the, the further east you go in Ukraine, the higher the percentage of Russian speakers, the further west you go in Ukraine, the higher percentage of Ukrainian speakers. And so a city like Kharkiv, which is which is predominantly in the, which is in the east, is has a high percentage of, of Russian speakers. And so those areas where where the like Luhansk and Donetsk, which are in the far east, they do have a like a, a substantial population that is actually culturally and ethnically leans towards Russia. And that's why there are these problem regions. Whereas in the West, like in Lviv, you you just don't have this problem. So there's that divide. And the same is with the Crimean Peninsula. I mean, the Ukrainian, traditionally the Ukrainian presence in the Crimean Peninsula is not that strong, whereas the Russian presence is. And that's why when Putin takes over the Crimean Peninsula in 2014, because the Crimean Peninsula is sort of, I don't know what we would call it. It's it's a vacation place for, for Russians all over. They relate to this. Like they all know about this. They've seen it in films. And so his popularity rating just skyrocketed because of this, whereas so, his popularity rating is not skyrocketing because well, of Donetsk and Luhansk, which the Russians in Siberia and the Urals just, you know, barely know about. Well, I mean, the 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 Europeans like to flock to the Mediterranean coast um, and, yeah, <laughs> you know, exactly. Americans like to go down to yeah, Cancun. Exactly it doesn't is. mean that we're going to take over the their the vacation spot. 
I mean, mm-hmm. so there's the, do so national borders are almost meaningless back then, and, and obviously, you know, Putin's aggression was never checked up until this point. Why is that, Roman? Why why was it not checked prior to this? Well, let me just add to what Nigel was mentioning first. Is that is that uh, in the east there are more Russian speakers? That's correct. Uh, but Stalin put in uh, a fifth legion in there, putting in a bunch of Russians uh, to overpopulate the Ukrainians. So after Ukraine declared independence in 1991, the Ukrainians said, you know what, this is a free country. Uh, if you want to leave, go back to Russia, go ahead. Some did. Most did not. They did not want to go back to Russia. Even today in the Ukrainian armed forces, there are uh, many people who don't speak Ukrainian but speak Russian. Uh, but in the last 30 years, Ukrainian has become the dominant language. As far as Crimea, uh, Nigel, I think you remember, Crimea is populated by Tartars, uh, still from the Mongolian raids, and they settled down there, and there is a huge number of them. And they support Ukrainian independence, and they do not like to be under the thumb of, uh, of Russia. The other thing I just wanted to add I was just is, gonna... I, let me just finish this, uh, one thought, is that you mentioned how well the Ukrainians did uh, initially without getting aid. Well, an FYI is when President Trump took over, uh, he supported Ukrainian independence. So 2017, he shipped over boatloads of javelins and stingers. And the javelins and stingers were the initial weapon of choice that the Ukrainians had to destroy the Russian armor. That's right. As they tried to trek right into Kiev, they got destroyed by uh, the U.S. military weapons there. And Putin was planning to have a victory parade. He told his soldiers to take Class A uniforms. And again, it's it's shocking to me how our intelligence services in the United States and our military generals just simply assumed, assumed, that it was going to be a, a simple Russian victory. Well, that echelon, you're right. They didn't assume well, it. But the guys that I worked with in Ukraine who were in special forces uh, were not surprised how well Ukraine did because they were there as retired Army personnel training the Ukrainian military. Fascinating. All uh, right. I was just going to add, it's very true, you know, that in those eastern areas they identify with Russia they like Russia. They don't want to be politically in Russia, but they do identify with Russia. And so that's that's just a bit of the dynamic on the eastern part of the, the eastern part of the country. So. Well, as uh, we, we're continuing this conversation, we're looking for any callers who want to call in and weigh in. Maybe you are of you. Maybe you have family in Ukraine. Maybe you understand more about the situation that we could all learn from. The number here is one eight hundred seven two three. 8289. Again, that's 1 800 723 8289. If you want to weigh in on this conversation, and we will be back with you shortly for that conversation. Bye, bench press. Adios, squat rack. Fare thee well, kettlebell. Hey, Kellen, need a spot? 
No, Jake from State Farm. I'm just saying goodbye to my pricey gym membership. What? Don't give up what you love. State Farm has options like insuring your home and ride with great rates on both. Nice. Hey, can I buy you a protein shake or a granola bar? Or... For surprisingly great rates, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com for a quote today. Going back to school as a working adult doesn't mean you have to sacrifice a high-quality education. Purdue University, a top 10 public university, took its innovative thinking to a new level when it created Purdue University Global for working adults. Discover innovative, practical ways to earn your degree online and advance your career. Purdue Global has already awarded more than 1 million credits for prior learning, which means you can save nearly half the cost of your bachelor's. See how close you are to finishing your degree at purdueglobal.edu. That's purdueglobal.edu. This is the story of a very special woman. In a matter of seconds, she turned herself into a great mathematician or an entrepreneur. Her knowledge was limitless and still is. She could also make monsters disappear, especially those that lurked in the shadows under the bed. Once, this woman put back together a teenage girl's broken heart, which had been shattered in a thousand pieces. Just by giving her a bear hug, she masqueraded as a regular person at work, but as a superhero at home. Everyone knows her as Gabriella. I still call her mom. Your hero needs you now, and AARP is here to help. Find the care guides you need to help, complete with tips and resources, at aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. When it comes to vaping, the truth can get clouded. So let's make it clear. Vaping is not safe for kids, teens, or young adults. It's just not. Because vaping can put microscopic particles into your lungs. And dangerous things like metals and volatile organic compounds into your body. And nicotine, the same highly addictive substance found in regular cigarettes. Nicotine can harm a person's brain development through their mid-20s. Affecting learning, memory, attention, and impulse control. And priming the brain for other addictions. Vaping products also come in kid-friendly flavors that can make them appealing to youth. And many kids also use other drugs, like marijuana, in vaping devices. With appealing flavors, high nicotine levels, and lots of promotion on social media. Many kids think vaping is harmless, but it's not. So talk to your kids about the risks of vaping. Because when you talk, they hear you. For more information, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. Welcome back to Beyond the Beltway. This is Jeannie Ives sitting in with Bruce DeMont on the, the topic of uh, this time Putin and the Ukrainian war. With me is Roman Golash and Nigel Robb. Uh, Nigel, um, let's talk about this a little bit. What about the human rights atrocities that have been discovered from that has taken place by the Russians in Ukraine? We're talking about mass graves. Apparently people burned alive. Uh, wow. What, what is the what, what? How do the Russians respond to this? Are they just staying out of it? Do they know not? Are there, are there any well, protests over this? They certainly know what's going on over there. Well, there are no protests over it because there's since, I mean, I think we I think we discussed this last time, since end of February, there's an increased censorship. And the only 
the only criticism you're allowed to have is basically the army's not doing well. I want them to do better so that they can put more firepower and basically, you know, hands off, go after, go after the population in, in Ukraine. So it is reported, but they, it gets reported as it's either staged or it's Ukra Ukrainians did it. They don't, they don't report it in any, in any way in which they're going to actually investigate this so well that's, that's but from I, the russian side okay on the russian side but obviously the international criminal court currently is investigating russia for possible war can't crimes in its mm -hmm. invasion of ukraine and uh you know we've heard of all we've heard of a lot of them we've heard about the burnings alive uh roman what are you hearing from people over there well uh the, the families in western ukraine are rather surprised that the west is um ignoring the mass graves found near Kiev and Bucha and then also in eastern Ukraine. Uh, it even gets worse than that. Uh, they now have confirmed that uh, Ukrainian soldiers were castrated by Russian soldiers. Uh, they also uh, have reported that they've killed and raped uh, children. And also, uh, I think we mentioned earlier about the filtration camps when they take over these towns. They send these people, these filtration camps, to see whether they're loyal or not, and they all end up in Russia, and they never come back. So this torture and mass graves really needs to be investigated. Uh, in addition, just wanted to mention, Nigel, uh, with the mobilization, uh, we did hear that there were some demonstrations by moms in various cities in, the, uh, in Russia. Mm -hmm. And also Finland has closed its borders because so many young people, usually men, 18 to 22 years old, were fleeing Russia because they don't want to go to war against Ukraine. Well, they... I mean, there were incidents about the... Mm -hmm. ahead, there were incidents about the mobilization. Like, there was the incident of the shooting at the um, draft, the draft board. Yes. There were mothers, particularly in places like Dagestan, and Yakutsk, where it's sort of, this is not a war for the Dagestani, it's not a war for the Yakuts, it's a war for Russians. And if you want to send your kids, please do, but just don't send ours, because that's where that was coming from. But it, oh, it absolutely has to be investigated. I, one of the things here is, though, I, as long as Putin's president, it, he's not going to be put in front of a, a court or anything like that. I mean, it, it, Russia's too big a country to do that. If you, if you think of sort of, after the fall of Yugoslavia, where that and that happened, and I think it happened, you know, successful prosecutions. But um, Russia is just too big for that for that to work. But I, I just it, it'll it'll collapse somewhere else, some, somehow else. Okay, well, it's let's go to the go downhill in Russia. Let's go not, to the phones not, not now. Not formally like that. That's great. Uh, let's go to the phones. I mean, that's not great. That's great commentary. Let's go to the phones now. We have Ivan from Chicago. He's uh, in Ukrainian village. Uh, he's from uh, Ukraine, uh, and he's uh, been here for 16 yes. months. Ivan, your question, yes. what is Putin's ultimate but, goal? Is that it? Yes, yes. Uh, but but uh, I would like to uh, ask you, uh, uh, Jenny, are you still supporting Herschel Walker in Georgia for the U.S. Senate? Oh, I have enough. Uh, I have enough problem keeping track of the candidates in Illinois that I'm supporting to, to worry about what's happening in Georgia. I haven't paid attention to that is one. That, that's, that's a yes. Of course, I'm supporting the Republican, though. I think everybody knows that about me. You, you are supporting Herschel Walker. <laughs> okay, Ivan, 
uh, your yes. question about that relates to the topic because we don't want to get into we don't want to get into a conversation that's way off topic from what our listeners are expecting. You're you you're embarrassed to uh, say you support Herschel Walker, Ivan. Ivan, no, this is not. No, that's not the case. I'm not even familiar with the race right Ivan now. Ivan is spitting ya. Netrakchesu. Good one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ah, very good. Thank you for Roman, who understands yeah. Ukrainian. You're welcome. All right, back to the conversation here. No, don't know where that came from. Crank callers on the Bruce Dumont show. How so funny is that? Um, all right. So, uh, you know, back to this conversation. What he, he, you know, the question is good though. What is Putin's end goal here? Was it simply to, uh, to uh, uh, strengthen the Federation, to take over it? I mean, from the Ukrainian standpoint and from the countries that are close to Ukraine on the western edge of Ukraine, they got to be worried if Ukraine actually concedes any territory to Russia. Nigel? I would say in terms of his, his goal, one of them very clearly, and, and it's – is basically they see Ukraine as Russian. They don't see the difference between Ukraine and Russia. And I'm, I've been in, in Kiev and you talk to some guy from Siberia. He's like, I just don't understand this. What's the difference between Canada and the US? You know, like it's all the same. We all do this and that. That's, that's sort of the attitude. And that historically, that's a historical argument because Kiev is the, the foundation of Russian orthodoxy. Ukrainians don't believe this for a second, but that's, that's what they believe. And in fact, if you went to university in the 1970s and the 1980s and you took a class in Russian history, you would probably be told that Kiev is the first Russian city. That's probably what you would be told in your class. And so you know, that story is, is, is out there for a long time. And so that it's like gathering the Russian lands and making them together. And that's why it's important. And we haven't even talked about Belarus here. And then the other one is that the standard is this and they believe this. In, in the Kremlin, there's an existential threat against the Russian Federation, and we need a buffer, and we can't let NATO expand. And then there are those, those geopolitical arguments. So there's a historical argument, and then there's that geopolitical argument. Well, and there's, there's people that are Neither actually on... Think of that can... Well, there's people on the right that are saying, you know what, this isn't our fight. We need to be out of this. We shouldn't be... We need to account for the $63 billion in weaponry that we've uh, given to the Ukrainians. Why is this our fight? They're not a part of NATO. We're never going to make them a part of NATO. And in fact, we should tell Putin that we're never going to make him a part of NATO. We should have come together for a peace agreement. Um, well, let's put it out this way. So we, we help broker some peace agreement, some deal that says, oh, by the way, Ukraine, you're never going to be part of NATO, and we're going to make sure that you're never a part of NATO. Okay? Um, uh, what do we do to uh, somebody's sovereignty by making that as part of the demand, by putting such restrictions on them, just to appease somebody like Putin? And by the way, how much longer does Putin have? Is he going to be around much longer? Has he got health issues? Well, he got, I mean, he has a term, he, 2024, that's his term ends. But, I mean, but, but this he'll is change the, the law. He's been at it for 22 years. But what the war has done it's fundamentally transformed politics in Russia. So basically, elections are, are, are like, they're no, they don't really exist anymore because we know what's happened. And in the past, okay, there are problems, but just nothing like this. The, the censorship is so out of control. And the, you know, it's all the, the economy is now becoming state run almost because of all the finagling they have to do to, to counter san sanctions. So that's, 
that's the future for 2024, which doesn't look look good. The nano question is different and, and putting the money in there. I mean, part of this is, yeah. Well, NATO let's, probably, let's take this I, question. I uh, it's not a question that, uh, yeah. it's also a similar question to Ben in El Paso, Texas. Ben, welcome to the program. Hey, thank you. Um, I want to reference uh, Tucker Carlson's report the other day. In, in, in According to um, the Foreign Affairs, an article in Foreign Affairs, mm-hmm. in April, according to an article, uh, Russian and Ukrainian negotiations appear to have tentatively agreed on the outlines of a negotiated interim settlement where Russia would withdraw and Ukraine would not apply to NATO for membership. Biden advisors did not, however, want a peace agreement, however, and on April 9th sent Boris Johnson to talk to President Zelensky and brought two messages for Zelensky. The first is that Putin is a war criminal. He should not be pressured, not negotiated with, and the second is that even if Ukraine is ready to sign some agreements on guarantees with Putin, they are not to do this. This was according to an article in Foreign Affairs cited on a, a, a Ukrainian news outlet. What do you think? Uh, this could have all, all this could have been avoided. The, the Ukrainians could have been uh, uh, made it where they did not have their country destroyed. We didn't, would not be at, uh, at the point of nuclear uh, uh, attack because uh, it could have all been avoided because they had an, a peace agreement done. But Biden and, and Great Britain said, no, no, we don't want that. Robin, we've got about 40 seconds before we go to break. What, what do you say to well, that? Essentially, uh, the reason Putin attacked Ukraine was because he felt there was leadership void in the United States. Secondly, Putin was watching the way we left Afghanistan. I cannot understand how a retrieve, retrieval like that can happen where our forces come out first, the citizens are left behind. It was a catastrophe. Putin saw that as a sign of weakness. Third, Ukrainian is not Russian. Ukrainian is a separate, distinct language. Awesome. Okay, we will be back with you after break for our final segment on this topic. The phone number, get your questions ready, 1-800-723-8289. Going back to school as a working adult doesn't mean you have to sacrifice a high-quality education. Purdue University, a top 10 public university, took its innovative thinking to a new level when it created Purdue University Global for working adults. Discover innovative, practical ways to earn your degree online and advance your career. Purdue Global has already awarded more than 1 million credits for prior learning, which means you can save nearly half the cost of your bachelor's. See how close you are to finishing your degree at purdueglobal.edu. That's purdueglobal.edu. At Jersey Mike's, you can elevate any sub by getting the juice. Red wine vinegar and an olive oil blend. It's how a Jersey Mike sub gets its exquisite zing and how bites get boosted. The juice adds a certain something extra, an exclamation on top of the freshly sliced meats and toppings, the kind of exclamation you can eat. Order Jersey Mike subs on our mobile app and get delivery right to your home or pick up from your nearest Jersey Mike sub location. Jersey Mike's, be a sub above. 
No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, we'll probably stay together. Probably? <laughs> It's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, okay, now tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. I'll be here to hear what's on your mind. Kids want to share what's going on in their lives with the adults around them. Parents, grandparents, teachers, coaches, and more. They want to know you're listening, and they want to listen to you. They want your input and guidance, early and often, on all kinds of topics. When it comes to a serious subject like underage drinking, they want to know your expectations, as well as how and why, as a young person, they should avoid alcohol. How you talk about it will change as your child grows, But the important thing is to talk about it. Not just once for an hour when you think the time is right, but in 60 one-minute conversations and more that are part of your everyday talks. For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. Welcome back to Beyond the Beltway. It's Jeannie Ives sitting in for Bruce Dumont. Our number here is 1-800-723-8289. So, gentlemen, we have just a few minutes left in, the, you know, this final segment here. Uh, listen, I want to go to uh, why, why should we care? Why should we care about war in Ukraine? I mean, you've got a bunch of folks uh, talking about it this way, uh, you, you know, wondering the same thing, wondering out loud. Um, the American Spectator, Scott McKay, just wrote this article, Republicans should slowly back away from Ukraine. Obviously, you've got Democrat control of the federal government at this point. The Democrats are all in, giving billions away to the Ukrainians for war and support. But there's quite a few Republicans who want the same thing. And, and in this article, Scott McKay admits that. He, he actually fully admits it. He says... Um, and, he, you know, you, you always got to wonder when the author starts by having to explain his premise. Uh, this is not an anti-Ukraine column, and it is certainly isn't a pro-Russia column. What it really amounts to is a pro-life column, and particularly a pro-American people column. And he said he also recognizes that the majority of American people are pro-Ukraine. Most surveys show that as a people, we are disgusted by Russia's invasion of a neighbor and atrocities committed there. And most of us want the Ukrainians to win that war. Uh, and then he goes on to talk about, you know, Putin is a madman. Certainly don't want him in charge. Uh, and, that, but, and then he goes to talk about how important Ukraine is. For example, um, in 2021, Ukraine harvested some 32 million tons of wheat. It's known as the breadbasket of Europe. It's where we get a lot of our fertilizer from. 
This year, it's only going to harvest 19 million tons. Next year, the estimate has it no more than 7 to 10 million tons will be harvested. That's, that's a huge differential. That makes an impact on all sorts of nations, not just the Europeans, down to Africa, everywhere else where that food goes. Uh, but then you've got Elon Musk weighing in. He tweeted a few days ago uh, a, a, an outline of a peace settlement. I think he should stick to space travel and electric vehicles, is my opinion. Uh, and he said, and apparently that peace settlement that he put out, I didn't actually read it, sorry, one uh, which is probably friendlier to Russia than Ukraine and the West would or the, should agree to. Uh, of course, why? Because the Russians responded favorably to Elon Musk's peace proposal. So we're back to the question at hand. Why should Americans care about the war in Ukraine? Roman, let's go to you first. Uh, why we should care is because Ukraine at this time uh, is uh, protecting NATO in a free world. Uh, Putin, once again, uh, feels emboldened by weakness in the United States, and he feels a weakness in Western Europe. They vacillate with their values, and he wants to reestablish the Soviet Union. That is his ultimate goal, to achieve that, because he said himself years ago that the end of the Soviet Union was the worst catastrophe for Russia, and he wants it back, and now he sees the chance. The thing about NATO is a ruse. You know, he says, I don't want to have a NATO country on my border. Well, Poland borders in a small section of uh, Russia, and he also has Lithuania and uh, uh, Latvia, Estonia, uh, bordering him as well. Now he has Finland as a NATO country. So this whole talk, we had talks about NATO in the 1990s. Uh, the Russians were just uh, totally opposed to it. The Ukrainians in the 1990s thought a little bit differently. They kind of thought, well, let's appease them. So maybe they'll leave us alone. That was the wrong move. All right. Nigel. Well, I would just say, why should you care? Because... The, what's transitioned in this war is one sort of saving the Ukrainian people from a bad Russian army and a brutal, torturous Russian army. What's now happening, too, is Russia is potentially on the verge of collapse as a country, and you might be faced with this country twice the size of the United States. This is just teeter-tottering on the edge of chaos, and who knows who's going to be leading that country in like five, six, seven, eight years. And so as a geopolitical question, this is really important for the United States. The one about the Soviet Union, China's in Kazakhstan. I mean, China, China has big interests on the border of Kazakhstan. That's not, that's not coming back. So many of those places are just falling away right now. So um, there's some serious problems that the United States has to keep its eye open on in Moscow. Is there going to be a regime change? What's going to happen over there? What happens if Russia starts to become unstable? That is a big question as well. So we got to keep our eye on the region. Okay, Nigel, you're the historian here. I'm going to bat it back to you. Um, what does history portend? What will happen? I mean, it, it is kind of hard to judge history. There's been such massive changes politically for, mm -hmm. uh, for Russia uh, over the course of the years, and, you know, since, um, since really the opening up in 91. Uh, but, I mean, what do you see happening here? Do the oligarchs just take over with another one of their own? And continue to control the country well, because the economy is the biggest deal. But, but that's the issue. Is like, yeah, what, what, what is the, what are all the alternatives? Because 
there's the they, there's no real opposition. I mean, it's not like mm-hmm. something like before the revolution of 1917, where they're like big parties and stuff. So yeah, and what if the oligarchs take over and it's the same institutions and nothing really changes? Yes. Uh, but what if the oligarchs take over? It may be this. I would hope. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I would hope for a return to like 1987, 1988, where Gorbachev opens things up. You have the emergence of political parties, and of course. It was a tough time, but I think that's what they're facing anyway. It's a very tough time, and this time, do it right. I think Putin set the country, like the Russian, Russia, he set them back 40 years, and he did that within six months. He set them back 40 years. Well, and he's destabilized the rest of the the world, quite frankly, cozying up to Iran. Yeah. Um, Yeah. You know, his excursions into... Uh, Chechnya is his excursion into Crimea, all of that. It's very unsettling. His he's you know close to the Syrians. He created havoc there. So I mean, he's created problems for us. I mean, there's nothing actually that would probably be better for us than to to have a return to somebody like Gorbachev and uh, to get mm-hmm. rid of Putin. Um, we'll see if that'll happen. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's a difficult situation. Yep. All right. Well, uh, thank you all for joining me. Um, and uh, Fritz, are we done for this segment with these folks? Okay. All right. Well, thank you all for joining me. We've had a great hour of conversation here about Putin and Russia. It's Nigel Robb from Loyola Marymount University. Thank you so much, Nigel. Great commentary. Thank you, Jeannie. And then Roman, thank you for coming in last minute in studio. You You're actually welcome. you added so much to this conversation. Thank you. Absolutely appreciate Anytime. everything that you do. and. And we'll continue the conversation. Thank you. Going back to school as a working adult doesn't mean you have to sacrifice a high-quality education. Purdue University, a top 10 public university, took its innovative thinking to a new level when it created Purdue University Global for working adults. Discover innovative, practical ways to earn your degree online and advance your career. Purdue Global has already awarded more than 1 million credits for prior learning, which means you can save nearly half the cost of your bachelor's. See how close you are to finishing your degree at purdueglobal.edu. That's purdueglobal.edu. Goodbye, bench press. Adios, squat rack. Fare thee well, kettlebell. Hey, Kellen, need a spot? No, Jake from State Farm. I'm just saying goodbye to my pricey gym membership. What? Don't give up what you love. State Farm has options like insuring your home and ride with great rates on both. Nice. Hey, can I buy you a protein shake or a granola bar? Or... For surprisingly great rates, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com for a quote today. At Jersey Mike's, you can elevate any sub by getting the juice. Red wine vinegar and an olive oil blend. It's how a Jersey Mike sub gets its exquisite zing and how bites get boosted. The juice adds a certain something extra, an exclamation on top of the freshly sliced meats and toppings, the kind of exclamation you can eat. Order Jersey Mike subs on our mobile app and get delivery right to your home or pick up from your nearest Jersey Mike sub location. Jersey Mike's, be a sub above. To protect his home and family from disaster, Steve used courage, wisdom, and his camera phone. That should do it. Way to go, Steve! By simply taking digital pictures of his family's important documents, Steve can always have them stored safely online, no matter when disaster strikes. Learn other simple ways to protect your home and family before a natural disaster at ready.gov. That's ready.gov. A message from FEMA and the Ad Council. 
One in three adults has prediabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has prediabetes, with early diagnosis, prediabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has prediabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or ugh, my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. Welcome back to Beyond the Beltway. Thank you for joining us on our second hour. With me now is Gary Abernathy. He is a Washington Post columnist. Nice to see you, Gary. And, yeah, also on the line with us is David Masiatra. Did I get that right, David? I yes, you did. To... Oh, thank Last you. Last time you were wrong, so I know. I... maybe we should end it right there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no, we have lots to discuss. So happy to have you guys on with me tonight. In this second hour, we'll be discussing current politics, especially the upcoming election. We're just days away from a potential upset in both the House and the Senate, although... Many have been actually saying that this was going to happen. There's been polling out since the very beginning of the election season, essentially saying the Republicans are going to take the House. Now, that lead, I believe, last time I checked with Rasmussen, polls way back when at the beginning of this, it looked like Republicans had about a seven-point advantage. But that is not necessarily the case. It tightened down to, I think, at one point it was even or even only up one point. The latest poll, though, coming out of Rasmussen, uh, Friday, October 7th, they say with just 32 days away, Republicans have a four-point lead in their bid to recapture control of Congress. Uh, very interesting. And then you've got Ted Cruz out there today in a, in a message essentially saying he thinks that in the Senate they're going to capture 53 Senate seats will be the way that that happens back then uh, at the end of uh, November 8th that night. And then uh, he thinks they're going to pick up 30, 40, 50 even House seats. So, Gary, what do you think of this? Are they right? That's pretty optimistic. Um, I, I, uh, I, I think the Republicans will take the House, um, probably not by a lot, probably, you know, um, certainly not by those projections of Cruz, and I think they'll have a very tough time in the Senate. Um, but it's, you know, it's up for grabs right now. I mean... But you look at the crazy things going on at the Senate races in Ohio, here in Ohio, or in Georgia in particular. Uh, it's just insane. And yet, you know, the old rules don't seem to apply anymore. Things that, that you think, well, this is going to tip that race that way. I mean, here in Ohio, our, our Republican candidate, J.D. Vance, just sent out a fundraiser describing himself as growing up in Youngstown, Ohio. Well, he never lived in Youngstown, Ohio. He, he, he lived in Middletown. But, you know, somebody didn't proof it correctly, and there it went to, who knows, thousands of people. And then in Georgia, of course, you've got the Herschel Walker uh, debacle, 
which in normal times would, uh, would, would say that's the end of that, and yet the polling shows it's not. So it's interesting because, and I'm interested to hear what everybody else has to say on that, mm -hmm. including especially David, but we seem to be in a time where I'm not sure the old rules do apply. I'm not sure voters let personal scandals affect how they're going to vote when they're more focused on how's that person going to vote once he or she is in Congress or is in the Senate. That's really what they care about. So, David, uh, let's go with that same question. You know, the, the polling obviously gives the nudge to the Republicans, the Biden presidency, and we can talk about this a lot, but, I mean, there's by no doubt the polling numbers there. You know, he's still, <laughs> he is still not very popular. His policies are not popular, and uh, Republicans are ready to capitalize on that. Uh, what do you think is going to happen in the midterms? Well, historically, of course, uh, in the first term, midterms of a new president, uh, the party in power loses mm -hmm. at least one of the congressional chambers. But perhaps living in an era of firsts will continue uh, because first the uh, Dobbs Supreme Court decision overturning Roe versus Wade, uh, whether you like it or you don't like it, uh, galvanized. Uh, massive amounts of uh, women, young women in particular, uh, to register to vote. And the assumption is most of them, as they did in Kansas, are going to vote uh, for Democrats. And also the Republican Party, as Gary was just uh, alluding, has decided, I guess, the primary voters to nominate uh, an assortment of truly bizarre and incompetent and in some cases malevolent characters uh dr oz jd vance Herschel dr oz Walker. is very much a moderate uh, uh, so i mean it was theirs for the taking but they might hand it over to the democrats with this really uh retrograde backward strange behavior okay so it sounds to me like we've got gary on one side essentially saying we've got a caller on the line i'm going to get to you in just a minute david from san francisco really want to take your question but I want to tee it up in a certain way. So we've got Gary saying that, uh, you know, essentially there's, there's some of these, these, these personal nuances to particular candidates that may not be as important, let's say, as econ the economy, gas prices, the border out of control, um, <laughs> anything like that. And then David, on the other hand, you're saying, you know, it's all, it's all going to boil down to essentially abortion. Um, so, and, and that those things actually do matter, some of those issues. Um, I mean, I don't know. I mean, people are worried about crime, and they are worried about the economy. There's, there's just no way around it. You cannot, you cannot get past those two major issues, both of which the Democrats have been terrible on. And this brings in another issue, and that really, uh, let's, let's talk more specifically, because I want to bring in David from San Francisco, and his, his conversation is, is energy, uh, the energy discussion. Gas prices were tipping down. Now they're back up. And there's no way around it. And then you've got Biden basically begging oil dictators, oil dictators, OPEC, Venezuela, you know, give us some more oil. Okay, let's get David on the phone here before we go to break. David from San Francisco, you're on Beyond the Beltway. Uh, yeah, hi. I uh, was interested in more the political electorate and their view of science and taxpayer dollars. Uh, you know, a, a true fiscal conservative likes to have receipts. And if science says that something's going to happen, and it does, uh, 
then the infrastructure bill should be designed around science, and so then the taxpayers won't be cheated. The projects will be built right the first time. And when Florida has gone out of its way for the last 20 years, uh, since Jeb Bush, before Jeb Bush, that's over 25 years, they do not believe in climate change. And they have not invested in climate change, and now they've gotten walloped. And if they're going to ask for FEMA money to build back in a way that is basically going to be a waste of taxpayer dollars because they won't raise levies, they won't uh, prepare for uh, topsoil loss or uh, thousands of other uh, aspects of, of science, uh, then why should the American population give money to Florida to not uh, develop uh, with climate change planning? And when they, when the the massive maps of which section of America is going to be taken over by tidal waves, it's Florida. And if they don't pull all of the hazardous wastes back from the shoreline uh, when these tidal waves come in, they're going to poison their own coastline. They're going to poison fishing for a hundred years, and they're going to basically have uh, dirty, poisonous beaches for the next. You know, endless decades. All right, David. So David, hey, we have to go to a break. We take questions from all sides. Thank you for that question. We are going to stay with us. We're going to be back with that answer as soon as the break is over. Bye, bench press. Adios, squat rack. Fare thee well, kettlebell. Hey, Kellen, need a spot? No, Jake from State Farm. I'm just saying goodbye to my pricey gym membership. What? Don't give up what you love. State Farm has options like insuring your home and ride with great rates on both. Nice. Hey, can I buy you a protein shake or a granola bar? Or... For surprisingly great rates, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com for a quote today. Going back to school as a working adult doesn't mean you have to sacrifice a high-quality education. Purdue University, a top 10 public university, took its innovative thinking to a new level when it created Purdue University Global for working adults. Discover innovative, practical ways to earn your degree online and advance your career. Purdue Global has already awarded more than 1 million credits for prior learning, which means you can save nearly half the cost of your bachelor's. See how close you are to finishing your degree at purdueglobal.edu. That's purdueglobal.edu. Matthew. Huh? Oh, sorry. It's okay. I just need you to listen to me. I know that a lot of times, Mom, it might not seem like I'm listening to you, but I am. I hear you. And what you say really does matter to me. I mean, let's be honest. No kid likes rules, but I get why we have them. I hear you, and I know it's because you care. All the talks we've had over the years, including what you've told me about not using alcohol and other drugs, they stick with me. And believe it or not, they really do make a difference, especially at times that matter most. Hey, want a drink? No thanks, I'm good. So thank you, Dad, for talking and preparing me for what's ahead. Thanks, Mom, for never giving up and always being my biggest fan. Thank you for letting me know what you expect so I can try to meet your expectations. Thank you for talking. 
For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. It's a bully, but we aren't afraid of a fight. It's elusive, but our focus never fades. It's deadly, but we were born to defeat cancer. You may not have heard of us, but our work has helped millions impacted by cancer. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. We are leaders in advancing breakthroughs in immunotherapy, genomics, and personalized medicine. This research saves lives. After 65 years of fighting blood cancers, we've arrived at a game-changing belief. The cures for cancer are in our blood. The drugs and treatments we've developed for blood cancers have helped people affected by many different types of cancers. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Beating cancer is in our blood. Learn more at LLS.org. Well, welcome back to Beyond the Beltway. So we left off with a question from David. He essentially said, uh, are the climate deniers going to wake up because Florida is going to fall into the ocean? Uh, how dare we send FEMA funds to them to rebuild when they won't actually do something to shore up their, uh, their shoreline? Uh, Gary, uh, is that all true? Um, we don't know if that's the only way you know, if, as the Bible says, you know a prophet's true if what they prophesy comes true, and you don't really know it till then. So um, I, I know there's been lots of predictions over the years about what was <laughs> going to wrong. happen, you know, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, 50 years ago. You can go back and look at predictions, and most of them didn't happen, or different things happened that were bad that weren't predicted. So I think that, you know, right now when it's, when the hurricane, what I was kind of disappointed in when the hurricane was, was, uh, was hitting Florida, when, when President Biden, you know, went there a few days later, uh, they did a pretty good job. He and, he and Governor DeSantis of kind of pulling together and putting politics aside, but Biden, you know, kind of tried to step up to the mic and make it all about climate change. And I don't think that was the time or place for that. The time, the time, what the time and place was for, for that event was let's take care of the damage, let's make sure people are taken care of, and then we'll fight it out on climate change uh, later. Well, it seems a little bit of tone deaf when you are, are struggling to repair your electrical lines and you're looking for gas-powered generators just to get the power on, and that's the reality. It, it seems a little bit of tone deaf from our callers. Sorry about that, but I, th- I think it's true. Um, and, uh, you know, we can have this climate discussion all day long. I'd love to have it, especially from, uh, you know, the caller who lived in San Francisco. Well, you're on a coast, too. The truth is that we've always been able to adapt to much of this. There, I think it's a lot of climate hysteria. And I encourage people to read the, to listen to the liberal on this. Go ahead and listen to um, Michael Moore's uh, plant, The Planet Human. That's uh, pretty interesting. Meanwhile, meanwhile, what does the Wall Street Journal report? Oh, this is a really good article that came out just the other day. Germany, Germany finally says the F word, fracking, fracking. They're looking right now at, uh, you know, burning biomass. Biomass gives one off one and a half times more CO2 than even coal yeah. does. So let's get real about uh, providing for energy so that we can, have a, uh, we can actually even provide for heat 
this summer. So, David, go ahead. Let's take a response from you. Well, I'm not a, a climate scientist. However, uh, I can report that the Pentagon several years ago uh, issued a statement saying that climate change is one of the greatest global security <laughs> threats uh, that the world currently faces because we're already seeing an outpouring of climate refugees uh, around the world. And of course, with more refugees uh, pouring over borders, that creates instability, it creates conflict, it creates tension. And there's this idea that uh, climate change is something abstract that might hit us, you know, during our grandchildren's lives. But mm -hmm. there are already fishing communities in Alaska that are devastated because they can't fish anymore. The, uh, the ice caps have melted, the water uh, none of that's true. has changed. That's, that's uh, absolutely not true. The National uh, Oceanic Atmospheric Association, along with NASA and several other organizations, have linked uh, extreme weather events to climate change. Warmer weather creates stronger hurricanes okay. and tropical so, storms. So did you have to see? Agricultural patterns. David, just one more thing. Agricultural okay. patterns have changed throughout the Midwest and the heartland, and many farmers have a tough go now. So we're living um, with the consequences of climate change in the present. Actually, if you if uh, you know, there, I, I'm not. I wasn't prepared to debate climate change. Really, didn't think that that was going to be that was going to be one of the topics for tonight. I will tell you this: I don't think it's what's on people's mind. 30 days out from an election, I don't hear anybody talking about climate change. What they're worried about is high gas prices. But, you know, just to, you know, since we've got a caller on the line about this, let's let's just go ahead and take Roger from Austin, Texas. Good evening. Hi, pleasure, Roger. Pleasure to be on. Hi, how are you? Very good. Yeah, uh, this last caller uh, talking about uh, tidal waves. Tidal waves have nothing to do with climate. They're more planetary effects and gravitational. But, you know, talking about science, Here's the question, what empirical evidence scientifically shows that the draconian sacrifices they want to stop CO2 actually work? There's none. I've been searching for years. They, they can't prove that we can change the planet. And let's not forget, we're 300 million people on a planet of, what is it, 8 billion? And many of those people are going the other direction. Well, let's not forget that, thank you for your call, Roger, I appreciate it. Uh, listen, let's let's not forget that China's the bigger biggest offender if you really want to uh, care about uh, CO2 emissions. But the farmers I talk to know that if you don't have CO2, guess what, your crops aren't growing healthy. And if you're growing marijuana in uh, one of those indoor agent, uh, places, you're pumping in CO2 to make sure those plants grow, just uh, to put a data point on that one as well. So um, I don't actually think that this is one of the topics. Does anybody else believe that this is one of the topics? How about gas prices? Gas prices are out of control. Biden's got no answers. The Democrats have no answers. Beg for oil, for oil from our, our uh, adversaries. Uh, David, I just don't see how this is going to happen, I, how they're, they're going to get past this in the November election. Well, there's an interesting question now. If um, policy and policy-related events even influence voter behavior any longer, um, short of some major upheaval, 
the, the tribalism and the partisanship is so severe that people rarely consider an alternative point of view. But I mean, I would ask you back, you said Biden has no answers to rising gas prices. Um, what's the Republican answer to inflation? Uh, the Democrats passed the Inflation Reduction Act uh, with almost no Republican support. Uh, whenever the Democrats talk about raising wages or health care subsidies or helping people obtain a college degree, uh, the Republicans oppose it. So if you want to talk about the rising cost of living and the financial precarity for middle class, working class and poor people, uh, I don't see Republicans offering much of a policy solution. In fact, they express hostility toward even brokering a solution. Uh, listen, w w Republicans uh, are happy to go back to the Trump years when the average cost for gasoline was about two fifty a gallon. We're happy to go back there. We know that this spending has uh, basically this 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 latest version of his green uh, is his infrastructure plan, which actually the that portion of the Green New Deal where he's going to invest in wind and solar and everything else is now predicted to be twice as more as originally uh, thought, about $800 billion for that program. I mean, we've got now $31 trillion in spending. This is a massive failure by, and I agree, I think the party, the Republicans have overspent as well. I'm completely uh, on, on board with that. Uh, it, it's been a disaster, but the party and the power is going to get punished for what's going to happen. I think actually people do care about policies, and, and that's, that's shown in Biden's polling, pro, polling numbers. I mean, Completely open border, fentanyl on the streets, crime ratcheting up everywhere you go, and hitting the suburbs now too. It's it's not a pretty sight, Gary. I mean, well, then, what do they have to say for themselves? With the if does policy matter, Gary? And if so, which policies are going to impact this election the most? Well, I think policy does matter. I, th I like David's point. I think that we are very entrenched more than ever to where you can just predict you know, voting patterns more than at any time we've ever in our history. We just know, you know, we're down to such a narrow um, margin of swing votes, so to speak. It's 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 uh, we, we can really target. They can really target who they're going after that, that's, that might be an undecided voter. And frankly, the, the idea of undecided voters in this day and age is is kind of scary. It's like, how are you an undecided voter in this media age of ours where you're just inundated with information. And I mean, frankly, that's one reason that there are undecided voters so much and that we are kind of entrenched is, you know, everybody's been able to go to their silos and and just uh, get the algorithms that they that they want and get fed on each side, left and right, the news that they want. But, um, you know, on the Inflation Reduction Act, um, I guess you can call a bill anything you want to call it. It doesn't have to have much of, to do with what the bill actually does. It's kind of elementary. I'm not a professional economist, but most people know and have been taught that inflation happens when you flood the uh, country with money that doesn't really exist. When you overspend, and and um, Republicans uh, have been just as guilty about it. And it goes back to COVID. And I wrote columns at the time criticizing Republicans for joining in on this spending that was just throwing money out there. And now we see, as many of us predicted, you didn't have to be a genius uh, to predict this, that 
it's so much of it was was fraudulently taken and fraudulently ah, spent. It's obscene. And, and you know, it was there was there was no targeting to how this money was. There could have been a really good program, and I'm talking about when Trump was president, a really good program of targeting money to communities that needed it. But there's story after story of local governments that kept getting so much COVID money to this to this day they don't know what to do with it all because their revenues didn't go down. Well, you know, they do know it's how they were buying yeah. things and how sales tax was being uh, spent in their communities, but they didn't stop spending it. They may have gone online sometimes or, or gone to only certain big box stores that were allowed to stay open in those communities. But um, and then finally, one more point, you know, on fossil fuels, look, okay. we are going to transition someday away right. from fossil fuel. There's no doubt about it. Well, let's but hold that thought. Yep. Through, um, Gary, through, we're running through, into a through, break. We're running through. into a break. Let's talk about okay. that. Uh, I've, I'm about done with fossil fuels and climate. I'd love to debate that all day long. Can't do it. But we're next coming up. Let's talk about some of this bailout stuff that's happening, particularly student loan bailouts. At Jersey Mike's, you can elevate any sub by getting the juice. Red wine, vinegar, and an olive oil blend. It's how a Jersey Mike sub gets its exquisite zing and how bites get boosted. The juice adds a certain something extra, an exclamation on top of the freshly sliced meats and toppings, the kind of exclamation you can eat. Order Jersey Mike subs on our mobile app and get delivery right to your home or pick up from your nearest Jersey Mike sub location. Jersey Mike's, be a sub above. To protect her home and family in a disaster, Karen was willing to wade through water, mud, and insurance paperwork. Yeah, I can do this. You go, Karen. By simply understanding and updating what her insurance covers and doesn't cover now, she'll be better prepared no matter when disaster strikes. Learn other simple ways to protect your home and family before a natural disaster at ready.gov. That's ready.gov. A message from FEMA and the Ad Council. If you talk and they will hear you. We all want our kids to grow up safe and healthy. So we show them how. And we tell them with honest conversations that let them know what we expect. Not just one time, but every chance we get. That's especially important when it comes to alcohol and other drugs. Kids not only need to know the dangers and how to avoid them, they need to hear it often from you. And when it comes to pain medications, opioids, they need to know that they should never be taken without a prescription and never shared with friends or family. It's dangerous and illegal. So talk with your kids and guide them through the challenges of growing up safe and healthy. Because when you talk, they hear you. For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. This is the story of a very special woman. In a matter of seconds, she turned herself into a great mathematician or an entrepreneur. Her knowledge was limitless and still is. She could also make monsters disappear, especially those that lurked in the shadows under the bed. Once, this woman put back together a teenage girl's broken heart, which had been shattered in a thousand pieces just by giving her a bear hug. She masqueraded as a regular person at work, but as a superhero at home. Everyone knows her as Gabriella. 
I still call her mom. Your hero needs you now, and AARP is here to help. Find the care guides you need to help, complete with tips and resources, at aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Beyond the Beltway. So joining me this hour is Dave Masiratra and Gary Abernathy. I sort of got that right, David. David, uh, let's take a moment here and just have you introduce yourself to the audience. Yes, thank you. Um, it's David Masiotra, yes. and I am uh, the author of several books, uh, including most recently, uh, I Am Somebody, Why Jesse Jackson Matters, and uh, Mellencamp, American Troubadour, which is recently published in an updated uh, paperback edition. Uh, I'm a journalist, political commentator, and arts critic. I've written about music, literature, and politics for many publications. Uh, most recently, The New Republic and The Progressive. All right. Okay. And Gary, Gary, can you introduce yourself to our audience? Yeah, sure. Um, I uh, I spent, um, oh, I don't know, 20 years, something like that, 15 to 20 years in the newspaper business. Uh, editor at uh, three uh, small newspapers around Ohio. Um, and then I went into politics working in the mostly communications, but, you know, all sorts of political endeavors, mostly Republican Party politics, and then went back into journalism and became the editor and publisher of, a, of my hometown paper, which in 2016 now, I guess, endorsed Donald Trump for president in a two-line endorsement that got national attention because apparently there were only six newspapers in the country that uh, endorsed Trump. And uh, I got an invitation from the Washington Post to uh, write columns for them. I'd always written columns wherever I'd been and, and really enjoyed newspaper columns. So for the last five years, I've been writing uh, two or three times a month for the Washington Post, trying to explain things uh, from how they look at the, at the uh, uh, in Trump country, so to speak. Uh, not at all always defending Donald Trump, and I've been a very big critic of his over the years, but usually defending Trump voters from a lot of the accusations and, you know, stereotypes that people like to uh, paint them with. Well, I'm, I'm glad you brought up that topic because uh, I, I do want to talk about the student loan bailout situation. I think it's a really alarming thing, uh, alarming prospect uh, going down this road. I also think it's lawlessness at, at, its very, at the very top, just like his DACA policy got rebuked by the courts, and we're waiting to find out the fallout, uh, fallout on that, and that is Obama's DACA policy finally adjudicated to have been found um, uh, unlawful. I need to go through the legislative branch if you want to change the types of policy, not by executive order. Uh, there's a lot of this stuff going on, a lot of lawlessness going on, a lot of like uh, executive orders going on. We feel it in Illinois. We're sitting here in Illinois. We're still under emergency executive order by our uh, uh, the 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 dictator in chief, uh, J.B. Pritzker, who's up for election. But um, before you know what, before we get that topic, because you brought it up, Gary, you said you're in the position to defend. Trump voters. And David, 
I pulled it. You probably didn't know that I pulled it, but you recently wrote an article called How San Francisco Helped Give Birth to Modern American Fascism. And then the subtitle is Remember Dan White? He was the Kyle Rittenhouse of his day. No wonder Tucker Carlson loves him. And in this expose, you essentially talk specifically about Trump voters. Uh, You talk about the official Defense Department definition of terrorism, the calculated use of unlawful violence or threat of unlawful violence to inculcate fear in the pursuit of goals that are generally political, religious, or ideological. And, uh, you know, going on into this article, I'm trying to find it here now. Uh, I'll look for it. You probably know your article better than I do. But you essentially talk about the, the Trump voters. You say that they are the ones that are radicals, extremists, violent, reactionary. Not necessarily in those words, but that's that's the gist of it. Now, I find that interesting. Is that how, is that, I mean, that is probably part of the problem here in America right now is the characterization of a group of people in, in, in this way, just as Joe Biden shamefully stood on that stage flanked by two Marines in full dress uniform and disparaged one half of the nation that voted for Trump. I mean, that's no way to get along. So what's going on here, David? Well, what's going on is that um, the country faces an unprecedented threat to its democracy and its security from this uh, far-right reactionary movement Uh, With Trump at the helm, uh, one-fourth of Republican voters claim to hold QAnon beliefs. They explicitly call for dictatorship and execution of political opponents. So if that's not violence and fascism, I don't think anything qualifies. We all watched January 6th when Donald Trump incited a violent mob to invade the Capitol threatened to murder elected officials in an attempt to prevent the certification of an election. That's terrorism. And you have Republicans to this day who either dismiss, downplay, or defend it. You have uh, hundreds of school board members, librarians, and election workers across the country resigning because of a deluge of death threats coming in uh, from Trump supporters, from Trump voters, And uh, you have organizations like the FBI uh, on record saying that, just according to FBI crime statistics, uh, since 9-11, far-right terrorist organizations have caused more death and destruction in the United States than any other group. Oh, I'd like Uh, to see Hate crimes have risen exponentially since Donald Trump's uh, election in 2016. So, I mean, you're someone... I don't say this glibly, and I don't say it uh, sarcastically. I thank you for your service, and I appreciate the sacrifice that you made for this country. You took an oath to serve and protect the Constitution of this country. I'm surprised this doesn't concern you more. Uh, I I am concerned. democracy is under threat, that election workers are under threat. No, I am concerned because I think a lot of what you just said is um, is, is flat, flat out wrong. I'd like to see the FBI statistics. I'd like to see the the the. Uh, I'd like to see the Black Lives Matter protesters that were 
incarcerated as the J6 people were incarcerated in the same way. It didn't happen. None of that happened. Everybody knows it. You talk about school board members. Uh, Well, you know what? You have a lot of angry parents. When they found out what was happening in their schools, they went to speak to them, and then you've got the Department of Justice raining down on them, colluding with the the National School Board Association to go after parents for speaking up at school board meetings. Listen, I'm one of those parents that speak up. And so are a bunch of my friends. So, I mean, this is, and that's great. This is a problem. Anger is but, fine. Anger is okay. fine. Uh, but David, Death David. threats are not fine. David, okay, so how about the fact that you had two dozen FBI agents show up at Mark mm-hmm. Hauk, a pro-life activist's home, in the morning to arrest him in front of his children for a, for the, for a supposed action that the local police had dismissed, had completely dismissed. Now, I happen to know his personal lawyer. He lives in my, he's a personal friend of mine. So I know the whole, I know the story here. Okay, I'm not speaking out of context. I, I know what happened. But that type of action, that type of action is done to silence people. And as you have that happen to somebody like Mark Hauk, and then you see nothing happen to the over 100 uh, abortion, uh, um, pro-life pregnancy centers that were uh, absolutely, uh, you know, attacked after the Roe v. Wade decision. You see no retribution on that part from any uh, law enforcement. Mm. Uh, that that is a problem. There there seems to be yeah. two standards of justice here. Gary, what's your opinion? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, there are definitely bad actors on the right. There are bad actors on the left. And I'm not trying to just do any. any tit for tat equation of everything but um you know i've i've said from the day it happened i think january 6th was frankly one of the most horrible things i've ever witnessed in my life the people that went into the capitol building uh should all be prosecuted as as they are being but what i see then is the politic political gary what about the okay go ahead uh, of of that of that movement to try to blanket all republicans or all trump supporters with that, you know, painting them with that same brush. Mm-hmm. There were 800 people by uh, official estimates that went into the Capitol. Okay, there are 75 million people that voted for Donald Trump or 76 in the last election. There aren't 75 million people that are QAnon members and Proud Boy members. And, you know, I've been a conservative Republican my whole life. I never heard of QAnon or the Proud Boys until the mainstream media started writing about them after Donald Trump was elected. And now, this is like all you all you read about is the Proud Boys and QAnon and and uh, the Oath Keepers. And my point is they don't represent the average American who supports Donald Trump. They don't think like them. These are people that are coaching their little league games, going to church on Sundays, working nine to five during the week, just trying to live their lives. And they happen to like Donald Trump for president instead of Joe Biden for president, instead of Hillary Clinton for president, or instead of a lot of Republicans. And listen, I understand why Trump scares a lot of people. I, I, you know, after he refused to accept the election in 2020, I've said I can't support him anymore, mainly because of that. I mean, that's one of the most important things we have going for us in this country is the peaceful transfer of power and accepting an election result, whether you'd like it or not, even if you sincerely think there was fraud going on. I mean, look at Nixon in 1960. Look at yep. Gore in 2000. Both those guys had reason to believe things weren't quite 
uh, on the up and up. But eventually, when the courts do their job, you say, okay, for the sake of the country, I accept it and move on. And for Donald Trump not to show up on January 20th and stand there respectfully while Joe Biden took the oath of office was a, was a very bad thing for the country. But look. Okay, Gary, we're going into a break. the country are not. Gary, we're going into a break. We hit a. At Jersey Mike's, you can elevate any sub by getting the juice. Red wine, vinegar, and an olive oil blend. It's how a Jersey Mike sub gets its exquisite zing and how bites get boosted. The juice adds a certain something extra, an exclamation on top of the freshly sliced meats and toppings, the kind of exclamation you can eat. Order Jersey Mike subs on our mobile app and get delivery right to your home or pick up from your nearest Jersey Mike sub location. Jersey Mike's, be a sub above. The possibility of lung cancer can be pretty scary, especially if you're one of approximately 8 million current or former smokers at high risk. That's why SaveByTheScan.org wants you to know that now there's a breakthrough low-dose CT scan that can detect lung cancer early, and it only takes 60 seconds. You stop smoking, now start screening. For an easy quiz to see if you're eligible, visit SaveByTheScan.org. It could save your life. SaveByTheScan.org is brought to you by the American Lung Association's Lung Force Initiative and the Ad Council. When it comes to vaping, the truth can get clouded. So let's make it clear. Vaping is not safe for kids, teens, or young adults. It's just not. Because vaping can put microscopic particles into your lungs. And dangerous things like metals and volatile organic compounds into your body. And nicotine, the same highly addictive substance found in regular cigarettes. Nicotine can harm a person's brain development through their mid-20s. Affecting learning, memory, attention, and impulse control and priming the brain for other addictions. Vaping products also come in kid-friendly flavors that can make them appealing to youth. And many kids also use other drugs, like marijuana, in vaping devices. With appealing flavors, high nicotine levels, and lots of promotion on social media. Many kids think vaping is harmless, but it's not. So talk to your kids about the risks of vaping, because when you talk, they hear you. For more information, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, we'll probably stay together. Probably? <laughs> it's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, okay, don't tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. Okay. Welcome back to Beyond the Beltway. Our phone lines are open, 1-800-723-8289. We were just on the topic of, uh, wow, Donald Trump, Trump voters, right-wing terrorism. David, back to your writing. 
back to this, uh, this, this what you wrote, How San Francisco Helped Give Birth to Modern American Fascism. I found what I wanted to read. You wrote, the dominant Trump cult wing of the American right is a terrorist movement. Only a minority of Republican voters behave violently, but Republican leaders in Congress and the most influential right-wing media personalities routinely refuse to condemn violence, acting as if far-right terrorism is insignificant. I actually disagree with that entire statement. You go on to write, a spate of recent books attempts to dissect the escalating violence and uh, and fascism of contemporary right-wing politics in the United States, and they basically ask, um, how could this happen? The rest of your article talks specifically about Dan White, who is uh, the man who killed Harvey Milk in uh, San Francisco, uh, ostensibly because he was gay, but also it seems like they had other differences of opinions on economic issues as they both sat on the equivalent of the San, Fr- San Francisco City Council. Now, what I find remarkable, David, and here's where we need to be honest about what we're talking about. Dan White was a Democrat. Dan White was a Democrat. Use his killing of Harvey Milk as the example to explain how right-wing terrorism arose in America. Can you can you respond? Well, he was well. He was still a conservative Catholic. You have to keep in mind he was he running. He was a city, Democrat. He was running for a board of supervisors position in San Francisco. Republicans don't get elected to those positions. Uh, but I think the party identification is less important because what I'm talking about is there was an outpouring of defense for Dan White after he murdered Harvey Milk and. Uh, Mayor Moscone so, of San wait, Francisco. Hold it there. Hold and there. much of the defense was that he was defending good old traditional American values against socialism and hedonism and secularism. David, hold it there. So the, hold one minute here. Okay, hold one minute here. Okay, so you're saying that party doesn't matter, but party mattered entirely in your writing by calling them right-wing terrorists. What happened to the discussion, and I'm sorry I didn't have an article up for me, I didn't know where this discussion was going to go, but you just had a Democrat in North Dakota run over a conservative teenager, and the media well, said nothing. What about that? Gary, can you, can you well, wait a minute, in here? though? You asked me a okay, question, you right, David, let me respond to it. Okay, go ahead. First of all, I'm talking about ideology. Right wing is not Republican Party. Right wing refers to an ideology that Dan White exercised and possessed when he committed those killings. Right wing refers to the ideology that his defenders, including those in the San Francisco Police Department at the time, exercised and possessed when they defended him. Now, of course, Needless to say, I condemn violence from all sides. And I condemn, I also wrote an article recently condemning left-wing anti-Semitism. So there are pl- there's plenty of blame and there are plenty of pathologies to go around. But in 2022, the data is overwhelming that the preponderance of the threat to American democracy and security is coming from the right. Robert Pape, who's one of the leading specialists of terrorism in the world, he's a veteran of this program as well, just came out with a new study showing that 
20 million Trump supporters say that they believe use of force is justified to achieve political ends. Now, that's what they say. If they would actually do it is another matter. But the fact that they're saying it I just absolutely all of us, especially when we saw January 6th. Okay, I 100 percent do not believe that. I don't believe that. And actually, if you want to talk about terrorism, there's a couple of topics that I think are hot on on people's minds as they go to the poll in November. And that is those terrorists that are just being allowed to freely cross over our open border that Biden is doing nothing about. How about the terrorist spectator of just the fentanyl coming over that's killing our children? 107,000 Americans died last year of fentanyl. There's a lot of other things on people's mind. There's a lot of other extremists. How about the crime in the streets in Chicago? How about the fact that the not you have non you have prosecutors not prosecuting crimes when they they're letting felons out to reoffend? That happens daily. In, in, in that we, we Jeannie, see here. So I mean, I think that, I think that when you Jeannie, talk about due, terrorist Jeannie, actions, all, this is this is part of what Jeannie, you're talking with about. With all due respect, with all due respect, you're doing exactly what I articulate in the article. Only a minority of Republicans behave violently. I believe only a minority of them would behave violently. But if the party isn't going to condemn that violent wing, then the party condones it. A very wise man once told me, you become what you tolerate. Do you tolerate January 6th? You tolerate Plenty of the people. Proud Boys. Plenty of, you tolerate uh, rising hate crimes. We'll have Gary Way in here, but plenty of Republican leaders, plenty of Republican yeah, I mean, leaders have said that if you if you've acted with violence and on J6 then you should be you, you should be prosecuted Gary go ahead you've got the final word here Gary well, as we wrap up has to be okay violence is never equally denounced by either side I mean there was a lot of violence we saw in the cities erupt a couple of years ago that, that you know were defended violence is always wrong mm -hmm. destruction of property destruction of business is always wrong it should be strongly condemn but look this Jeannie this is what we need to be able to talk to each other Joe Biden seemed to say when he came in he wanted to be everybody's president and now he attacks MAGA Republicans and calls MAGA Republicans a basically a threat to to the to the country and again he's blanketing millions of people we need to be able to talk to each other respectfully even as we differ talk to each other with respect don't go to our silos get out of our silos and, and quit hunkering down uh, is the only way we're going to, you know, we have strong disagreements yeah. and, and that's going to be the case, but we have to respect, if we can't respect what you believe, at least respect your right to believe it and, and discuss it and quit with the constant accusations. Okay. Well, thank you so much for the conversation tonight. I really appreciate you coming on Beyond the Beltway, David and Gary. I enjoyed the conversation. I'm sure our listeners did too. Again, appreciate it that we can have a respectful conversation. Uh, there's so much more to discuss, and I hope to see you again on Beyond the Beltway. Going back to school as a working adult doesn't mean you have to sacrifice a high-quality education. Purdue University, a top-10 public university, took its innovative thinking to a new level when it created Purdue University Global for working adults. Discover innovative, practical ways to earn your degree online and advance your career. Purdue Global has already awarded more than 1 million credits for prior learning, which means you can save nearly half the cost of your bachelor's. See how close you are to finishing your degree at purdueglobal.edu. That's purdueglobal.edu. Ah, goodbye, bench press. 
Adios, squat rack. Fare thee well, kettlebell. Hey, Kellen, need a spot? No, Jake from State Farm. I'm just saying goodbye to my pricey gym membership. What? Don't give up what you love. State Farm has options like insuring your home and ride, with great rates on both. Nice. Hey, can I buy you a protein shake or a granola bar? Or... For surprisingly great rates, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com for a quote today. What if the music stopped? If the familiar voices were silenced? If there were no breaking news updates? What if your companion and connection to your community came with a monthly fee? Don't worry, we're free local radio with you wherever you go. Celebrating 100 years and looking forward to the next 100. We are broadcasters. Text radio to 52886 and let Congress know you depend on your local TV and radio stations. This message furnished by the National Association of Broadcasters. At Jersey Mike's, you can elevate any sub by getting the juice. Red wine vinegar and an olive oil blend. It's how a Jersey Mike sub gets its exquisite zing and how bites get boosted. The juice adds a certain something extra, an exclamation on top of the freshly sliced meats and toppings, the kind of exclamation you can eat. Order Jersey Mike subs on our mobile app and get delivery right to your home or pick up from your nearest Jersey Mike sub location. Jersey Mike's, be a sub above. I'll be here to hear what's on your mind. Kids want to share what's going on in their lives with the adults around them. Parents, grandparents, teachers, coaches, and more. They want to know you're listening, and they want to listen to you. They want your input and guidance early and often on all kinds of topics. When it comes to a serious subject like underage drinking, they want to know your expectations, as well as how and why as a young person they should avoid alcohol. How you talk about it will change as your child grows, but the important thing is to talk about it. Not just once for an hour when you think the time is right, but in 60 one-minute conversations and more that are part of your everyday talks. For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. When you need me, I'll be by your side. 